0: And that just comes with experience so like people that are starting off like yeah you might get burned on the first one or two but it's a learning process mm-hmm. and don't quit after that first one be patient exactly uh, and, through and that. that's
1: that's the name of the game with real estate is patience yeah just patience and long-term thinking yeah yeah patience and persistence that's where you'll get your best values out of because if you don't have patience you're just gonna give up on every single thing every time you run into a problem right yeah and uh, you gotta have a you have the gotta have the come to real estate with the right mindset
2: Welcome
0: to the Young, Wild, Financially Free podcast, an audio experience where we don't just talk about it, we live it. Hey everybody, welcome to the Young, Wild, Financial Free podcast. My name is Andrew Roberts, and I'm here with...
2: Hey guys, Matt Teifke.
0: And uh, today we have another awesome guest in the podcast studio... Um, we have a guy that we've worked with before that we really like and um, we really just uh, wanted to get to know better uh, on a deeper level. So Stefan Cannon, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Excited. Yeah. Nervous. Course. Excited though.
0: Yeah. Good, man. <laughs> me too. I'm like sweating bullets over here. Um, so what we want to do is we kind of dive into want to dive into your background. So where are you from originally?
1: I'm Austin, born and raised. Born and raised. Yep. Nice. We up in East Austin before everybody wanted to be there. <laughs> Right off of East 9th Street, so grew up in the Zaragoza area. Oh, cool. Uh, Well, now I think it's called something else, but they Uh have the Recreation Center Zaragoza right there. So right at 7th and Chaconne, so, you know, we're the, the nice... Popping area back then, and right yeah. now it's really, really popping, it's really popular now, and that's where everybody wants to be. That's where all the new construction is. And, yeah, uh, there's almost no remodels in that area anymore, they're all pretty much getting scraped and, yeah. and new construction. So, oh boy, but yeah, born and raised in Austin.
0: That's cool, man. Or is, is your family still in town?
1: Yeah, my family's still in town. Well, my mom lives in Ron Rock now, but okay, uh, the majority of my family's still here in Austin, and uh, got some family out in Corpus, but gotcha, uh, my immediate family, we're still here in Austin. Cool.
0: And are you an only child or have any siblings? Uh,
1: I got, I got two older brothers. Okay. I'm the youngest. I'm the baby of a, uh, of a uh, two, three, three. The baby of three. So, yeah. Uh, but it's also weird because my brothers are also six and then eight years older than me. So. Oh
0: wow! Yeah. You know. Big gap.
1: And, yeah, and then all, on top of that, my. Other family, like my cousins and things, they're like ten years older than me. So I'm like, for really real. the baby. I'm for real the baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, that's cool. Um, and where did you go to high school? Here in Austin? I went to uh, to high school. I went to McCallum. Okay. Uh, and then I went to Keeling Junior High, but now it's a middle school. Oh. Uh, it was a magnet magnet school, so sure. It was a prestigious school to get into back then, and then now everybody can get into it. So yeah, I to <laughs> McCallum High School. Uh, and uh, I was supposed to go to Johnson High School, but ended up wanting to go to. McCallum and okay. pursue other things, and I have to worry about going to school with a metal detector. <laughs>
0: Got it. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Um. So when you're in high school, you know, growing up, did you have uh, dreams or aspirations to to do anything when you grew up, or did you kind of think uh, past that?
1: So, my my thing that I wanted to do when I was in high school, what I what I originally wanted to do, I wanted to be, it's kind of in the same realm of real estate, but I wanted to be hotel management. Really. I wanted to own my own hotel. And that was, like, my whole thing. I had a whole little spiel about it. It was going to be Cannons Lodges, and we were going to be all over, like, the Marriott's and, like, little boutique hotels and just be a hotel owner.
0: Where did that come from? Did you have a family member or somebody that worked in the hotel business? Or? No, it's
1: just, I don't know. I just found it really interesting because I really always loved the customer service aspect of... Uh, of, like, you know, whenever we went to go check in somewhere, like travel for football or if we traveled for uh, any sporting event, you know, sure. you stayed in a hotel. So then you're always greeted by someone nice at the hotel. They had drinks and food and stuff for you to have while you're there. So then I was like, man, this would be a cool career to have. Yeah. Just be nice to people for a living and get paid for it.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. That's awesome. I, uh, I actually, when I was in college, I worked at an Embassy Suites hotel. Loved it. Same thing with like the hospitality and the customer service. Um, I really enjoyed that part of it. So, did you when you
1: graduated high school? Did you end up pursuing that, or, or where did that go? No. So, uh, when I graduated high school, um, I was lucky to graduate high school. I'll say, um, I kind of, I kind of like worked my way through school. Uh, but I've always, I've always done automotive stuff, and so that's what I pursued pretty much out of high school. Okay. I pursued the military, uh, then got injured, and then, uh, then you know, always had my uh, automotive background because I've been working on cars since i was probably like maybe man i don't know i started working on them with my grandpa and then just okay. grew into it and then eventually once i got my own car i started working on everybody else's car and yeah you know we did the whole little honda thing the whole uh loud exhaust running through your neighborhood doing burnouts sure and yeah, stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> then you know then graduated to muscle cars and then sure. um everything like that so i was automotive was my my go-to whenever I got, because I was always good with my hands and sure. I was always good with people and gotcha. uh, just I barely, you know it took me, what, a good 10 years to figure out how to melt them together to to be able to talk to people and still be able to do what I love as far as working on cars but right. now, it transitioned really well into real estate for me because I, I think like it dealing with the sales part of like having to sell, you know, explain to people what's wrong with their cars or uh-huh. uh, you know We, as mechanics, we know how to explain it. We could talk to you in technical terms, and then you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah,
0: no clue. And
1: so I think that translates well to real estate. So if I'm like, hey, you know, this is broken, and this is why we need this price reduction or things like that, and I'm able to explain it to people real well, then it helps to understand why I need a price reduction or why we can't pay the price that they're thinking that their house is worth and um, things like that. I know I got a little off. I know I, no, I di- no, But no. I digress, as they no, say. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're okay.
0: Um, and so, uh, I guess for the listeners, a little background on uh, on our relationship is um, some of our construction and modeling guys um, have done some work for you on um, one of your flips. Yes. Um, and so, when did you, I guess, get into real estate investing?
1: So, real estate investing, I got in maybe about... It's been about three years now. Uh, it was probably January of 2017 is when I really started uh thinking like I could really make some money in this like this is something I actually enjoy it's not it's not although it is a job it's not as troublesome as like waking up 9 to 5 and reporting to someone it's sure. like I I found a lot of freedom in it and I found a lot of flexibility in it and I found that you know I hit a certain demographic in the market okay. um as far as you know <clears throat> the majority of I used to only specialize in East Austin because that's the area I knew that's where the, you grew up yeah. that's, that's the area I grew up and that's the area I knew the most so right. um you know you get a lot of older Hispanics a lot of older black people who uh, lived in the neighborhood so it was a lot easier for me to get through the door than uh some of the other people so you know I had to learn my craft as far as getting prices correctly and get it to be able to wholesale mm-hmm. and so that's what I started off in is wholesaling okay um and then I think you know I'm say I started off pretty typical, you know, following HGTV. Sure. I mean, we <laughs> all what, do. That's yeah. what all got me interested. You know, I'm looking at the show. I'm like, man, these people are idiots. I think I could do better than that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, it's dramatized. And sure. It's yeah. not realistic in the sense of how we deal with it in the real world. Right. Or at least what they show in it is not realistic. So, um you know they were, they were, they've they made it seem so simple. Just go up to a house, knock on their door, tell them you want to buy their house, uh, make them sign of this paper, and then sell it to someone else who wants to buy the house.
2: Yeah, you know that, that is, is. Did they do that? Like whole they show wholesaling? Yeah, really? Some, yeah, I they, didn't know
1: that. Yeah, they have they have shows about wholesaling and wow. um, things like that, or they'll show like wholesalers right. before they sell it to like. Like Tark and Christina, yeah, like the, the people that they know the most. Yeah, they have they have specific wow. shows for wow. uh, wholesaling. So, wow. so you
2: saw that while you were working at your your mechanic job? Mechanic yeah, job? Just,
1: yeah. That's all I did. That was like the only channel on TV I'd watch. Like I got hooked for like the longest time. I'd get home, uh, take my shower, eat dinner, and me and my wife would just sit on the couch and just watch HGTV. The flipper flops. The um, that's amazing, man. Yeah, the that, Chip like, and Joanna. I mean, that's
2: cool to hear that it actually. Press people to take that next step. I know yeah. people are interested in it, but like, I just haven't heard of someone getting into wholesaling yeah. from watching that.
1: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people are driven by fears. That's the hardest part about everyone getting in the real estate industry, especially on the investing side. They're driven mainly by fear of like, where am I going to get this money from? You know, they they don't understand the reality of how in real estate investing works. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, I don't have four hundred thousand dollars to go put in one house and the reality of it you know everybody does it the same way we all borrow money we all yeah it's it's an industry you know it's it's not a i'm gonna go get 500,000 out of my grandma's savings and (laughs) and just go for
2: anyone to do it
1: exactly and that was that was my biggest challenge starting out is just understanding the dynamics of how to um grow capital and how to talk to people about properties that i'm interested in in buying myself instead of wholesaling because you know um when you're wholesaling you're not thinking too much about the end game you're just thinking about finding somebody who can actually buy the property and collect your wholesale fee you know whatever it might be even if it's 500 bucks you just want you know get something done yeah you just want to get it done so um after I started watching that show, uh, then you know I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do that one day." And then you know, of course, I kind of drug my feet a little bit, and then and then I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna really do it." And then I went out and I did driving for dollars. I went around the neighborhood mm. and looked for for sale by owner sign. Well, uh, let me back up. First, I started just knocking on random people's door, like, "Hey, your house looked like it needs work." Yeah. You want to sell your house, and then they're like, "Get off my porch!" Oh and, boy! <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I gotta find a better approach to this." <laughs> yeah. There's some, some research, and I'm like, "Okay, look for for sale by owners." And then I drove around the neighborhood, found a for sale by owner sign, and this was like a week later, uh-huh. and uh, I found my first for sale by owner, and I actually got it under contract. How'd and you I, How'd you get a contract? So, that's the thing there. So I looked up a contract. It was just, you know, one of the guru contracts, one of the generic. Work anywhere contracts, as they say, um, and it was real plain. I think it was like a two-page contract. It was like real simple. We just had to address the option period. Right. You know, at this time, I didn't know what an option period was, obviously, and uh, what earnest money and. Did stuff you know was.
2: anybody in the real estate business? Or, I did. Were I you did. talking
1: to them, or just figuring this out? Yeah, it was just. <clears throat> I I did know a lot of people in real estate. It was just I felt. I didn't want to involve them because then I'm real. I'm a real believer in not taking advantage of anybody's time. Like, okay, well, if this is your industry, I should pay you for your knowledge, or I should, you know, whether it's dinner or take you out for drinks, whatever, sure. or giving you a commission, whatever it is. So I didn't want to. I didn't think I was there yet to where I needed their advice to where um, I could offer them anything. Mm-hmm to make it worth their while for them to give me their knowledge. So Mm -hmm. I went, I went about it alone. uh, That first deal. And how, how long did
2: from when you like first said, I want to get into real estate until you did one week,
1: one week, one week. That's how it happened. Wow. It it was one week. So from the day I was like, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna go look for houses. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like I said, the first couple days I just knocked on random people's houses. Yeah. And then uh, the first weekend I went out on a, I think it was saturday and i went out and i just drove around the neighborhood in the tutu area uh right off M O K and in between M O K and manor airport and then i found out uh my first wholesale was right there on higgins street and uh went up i saw the sign i called the guy he was like yeah i'm actually about to pull up to the house right now and i was like okay cool i'm you know and he showed me around the house and uh, he was like yeah this was my mom's house and she just passed away not too long ago and uh we just gotta get rid of it because we can't afford it. And um, I was like, cool. I was like, well, I got a cash offer for you. And yeah. he was like, okay. He's like, well, I'm asking this for the property. Then I think he said he. I think he started off for like two thirty. This was this was a couple of years ago. So two thirty was a high price point back then. Now sure. you, you find anything for two hundred thousand in East Austin, you're yeah. like, give it to me. I'll, All right. You know. And I was like, okay, cool. And he said like two thirty, and I said, well, I'll give you two twenty, and then he accepted it. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll bring back. The contract. I didn't even have the contracts like ready to go. Yeah. Um. I went to the library and I printed them out, and then I came back like an hour later. He was still there cleaning out stuff, and I was like, "Here." And he signed it. And then uh, I was part of the. I signed up for the real estate networking club uh, here in Austin, and I signed up to a little email group. And then I posted the deal on there, and then sure enough, like two days later, someone's like, "Yeah, um, I'm interested." And I said, "Okay, I'm having an open house on." Uh, monday and then like a lot of people came out and they had a oh, lot cool. of interest and then um someone brought me their their check they were like i have the check right now and i was like okay cool and then i put it under contract that day for i wholesaled it that day for two thousand dollars and then uh um, the end buyer ended up not closing on the property but i still made my two grand on
2: it oh wow. <laughs> so so a couple questions on that yes did you tell him you were
1: wholesaling yes you did? yes i did and
2: then After he didn't close, did you try to pick the deal back up? Yeah, so I did
1: try to pick the deal back up, uh, but then after that, he could kind of sense my inexperience. Mm -hmm. uh, After that, and then uh, I learned a lot from it actually, um, because you know I was real I was real happy, obviously, with getting the two thousand dollars for my first little deal. Right. uh, Even though it didn't close, because you know that was that was like the big kicker for me. It was like you know, obviously, it's not refundable unless uh, the one thing I did learn was like, well, if it's a title issue, then we have to give you a refund, mm. um, per the contract or just yeah, okay. per the contract. And that's pretty typical. You know, if, if it's a title issue, you can't really control that. But yeah, that's but, what
2: I, I was. The reason I asked is like, I feel like forget about the contract, like the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like, just give that back. Yeah, it was, <laughs>
1: it was that. And then I had learned from talking to other people in, in the, in the group, like in that little real estate group, um, Cause they had like meetings every month and I went to one and you know, just, I, I just soak up knowledge so quickly that I just, I don't know how to describe it, but i mm-hmm. just talking to people. They're like, yeah, if you can't close the deal, you know, it's on the buyer. It's on the buyer to do their due diligence. If they want to back out because the numbers don't work for them, then that's on them. But if on your side, on the seller side, if they can't close the deal, then you as a person, yeah. you should be like, so you know, why didn't this deal close? Uh, they, the numbers didn't end up working out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was like a pier and beam house it was only like 800 square feet Uh, it wasn't a very large house and this was before all the new construction started booming over there that was their plan was to do a new construction and New construction is so dang expensive now that mm-hmm. it were just you, didn't make sense. Were you able to run comps on it whenever he said two thirty, or were you, were you just
0: saying he said two thirty and you're like, let me just lowball it a little? Yeah. Bit.
1: So I'm a weird person like that. I I'm trying to negotiate everything. Like, I'm, right? You know, like they'll be like eight oh five for your for your food, and i be like, how about how does eight dollars sound? You're in a restaurant like I'm sorry, it's non-negotiable. <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. Uh, but you know, that's the worst they can say is no. Sure. Uh, so then I didn't run any comps before I got the property. Contract, but I did get to look at some comps. Um, this was like when I was in experience. I was looking up Zillow, yeah. Um, looking up Zillow and just saw that a couple other houses sold for like uh, like 250 and 260 and stuff like that. I was like, it's not a, a huge margin for somebody, but if someone wanted to rent it out for a little while and sell it, you know, a year later, then sure you know, they can get that top or top of the uh, 260 or 270 mark. Right. Um, and what
2: what about for the buyer? I mean. Were they inexperienced, or you know, they could have obviously
1: probably seen this up front. Yeah, so they they uh, they were they were experienced. They actually had about four other projects right there in that neighborhood, is why they were interested in it. And she actually lived like across the street from the house, but like on the other side, so she didn't see the house. It was the house was in a little cul de sac, um, but she was experienced. She um, had other properties. Uh, she just I don't know what happened. Just uh-huh. just the numbers when she just said the numbers didn't work out for her at the end and you know she didn't hassle me about like can I get my money back or anything she was just like oh, the numbers don't work for us so we're going to have to back out the deal and then they kind
2: mm-hmm. of knew that the money was hard <clears throat> yeah that'd be crazy if you
1: wholesaled it twice and made another fee yeah that's what that's what I've never heard of someone doing that that would have been a good story <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? it, didn't, it didn't happen out that way unfortunately but sure, yeah. uh, you know like I said then the, the seller saw my inexperience and he was like I appreciate you trying Uh he was like then he kind of gave me a little nudge more he was like you're real good at talking to people and you're real, i felt real confident with you uh-huh. and he was like and that's why i ended up you know even taking the 10k off to get it done with you um and so i was like well maybe this is something here And then yeah after, and after that it's all history then real estate was all i went it all in on real estate right, yeah.
0: so during that first week whenever you were uh kind of driving around looking at houses um had you quit your job
1: or what no was- no i was still working i was okay. just uh fine time after work um and things i think i was working at the dealership right down the road off the airport at the time okay um but yeah so i i I was still working i was just side hustling at the time sure yeah just trying to find my find my footing and get more knowledge and talk to more real people yeah um i think one of the bigger issues in real estate now it's not even really an issue it's just that anybody can do it um If they have enough motivation and enough patience. Mm -hmm. And so, just like I was telling Matt just a little bit earlier, it's hard to find genuine people in the industry who are actually doing what they're doing and uh, doing what they say they're doing. Right. uh, As far as um, doing remodels or doing new construction or, you know, yeah, I've done 20 properties last year or whatever whatever they're stating, it's hard to find people who've actually done that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, At least more and more now because... The market is a little saturated. There's, there's a ton and ton of wholesalers. Like I can't tell right. you how many people I get in my inbox every day. Like, hey, we see that you're a serious investor. We see that uh, you have like five houses under your business name uh-huh. right now. And then you know they'll go on the county website and just search for LLCs, and then they'll see my name pop up, or right. and then they'll get my info, and then they'll email me, or they'll call me. Yeah. And then like I can't. I've probably maybe last year. I probably had maybe thirty or forty people who, who like reached out to me, who were wholesalers, who were starting to wholesale or trying to wholesale, and right. you know, of course, they all hit me with the line, "Yeah, I get eight to twelve properties a month, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you'll just come sit down and meet with me, then I can add you to my buyers list." Buyers list, and list then, yeah. And then I was like, I might get one property from one of them once every three months and I was like I've even like reached out to some people whenever I was dry on my marketing side uh-huh. and they're like yeah we don't need to actually do that anymore I actually quit and I quit I gave up on real estate and started uh, my own business doing blah 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 you wow. know, something outside the industry sure because like I said it's such a competitive market and that anybody can do it right um, so how but- long did you
0: wholesale um, whenever you first started in, in real estate before you decided to start investing
1: yourself so I did wholesaling maybe for two years until last year really. Okay. Um, is when I really started getting into like I need to stop giving money away. Okay. Um, and the way I the reason I say it that way is, you know, obviously when we wholesale, we're leaving money on the table for someone else to come in and make their money. Sure. <clears throat> and then it got to the point it started being counterproductive while I was getting really really good deals, <sighs> and I'm like, okay, well, there's you know, obviously. If you do like double closings, then the buyers don't know what you're making on your deals, but then you have to take that risk of closing on the property first and then hoping that they actually follow through and, right? yeah. and close on the property. Cause, Risky. Because, you know, whenever you make an arrangement with somebody, whether you, you intend to wholesale the property or you're going to buy it yourself, you want to be as transparent with the seller as you can because, you know, they have things that are they're going to line up uh, to get done after, like, they're going to obviously have to move. They're to get all their stuff out of the house. Or, sure. Uh, turn off the utilities, pay their taxes, whatever it's going to be mm-hmm. um, that they're looking to do, that they're depending on us, the money from us that we're going to give them right, to get done. So, you know, we got to make sure that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ethically or yeah. integrity, good word. Yeah. Yeah. integrity uh, that I'm transparent and make sure that I get the deal done Mm -hmm. because last thing I want to do is buy a house that I don't want to buy that someone else was supposed to buy. And then I'm stuck with a house because my buyer backed out. No suck. uh, Yeah. Right. You know, and then, you know, if whenever you're doing like a short term bridge loan like that, the the interest is really high. It's like a per diem type of thing, not a per month type of thing. So it gets real expensive. And then you have to wait another 30 days, hoping to find another buyer and to get it closed and things like that. So, Mm -hmm. um, so
2: you just you saw more opportunity to make money, but you're are you still wholesaling? I'm not wholesaling uh, anymore. But you uh, probably would. Right? I, w- yeah. I would because you just w- have to weigh both options. Yeah. On that
1: particular deal. Right. Should
2: I make quick money on it, or is there more equity to have a long term deal? Yeah.
1: So like realistically now, whenever I look at whenever I'm uh, comping out deals or looking at the deals, I'm kind of like I have my like hard limit of what I need to make on it if I'm going to partner with somebody or if I'm going to do it by myself. Uh, And most times if I don't see, I know the reason why I don't really do wholesaling anymore is because I know I'm not the only one looking at the property. So I don't like being the first guy through the door. Some people like being the first guy through the door, but when you're the first guy through the door, I think you get the property too expensive. And and what I mean by that is like people have a lot of FOMO, uh, fear of missing out. Right. So if I'm the first guy coming in and I'm like, okay, buyer the seller wants three hundred thousand and I offer them two eighty then they're gonna be like, okay well I have forty other investors who are in my mailbox saying they want to buy my house so I'm gonna see what these guys have to offer and then you know that guy's like well I'll do two ninety. Yeah mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah. And, and and realistically that happens and that happens with a lot of wholesalers is why uh the market is so hard right now, in my opinion, is because you have wholesalers who can't close on properties offering more than people who can't actually close on properties. Interesting. Uh, in my opinion on it, because I know that I know that I've done that in the past, where I'm like, oh, well, they're offering you two eighty five while well, offer you two eighty six, knowing the fact that you know I'm gonna I plan on wholesaling this to someone else. Right, and they um, might be the end buyer. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
2: And with all the technology of open door and all these things now. Exactly. We yeah. had, uh, I think you know, Lamar. Yeah, like, and he just was talking about how he saw the industry shifting, mm-hmm. and how like he didn't see a, a big future for wholesale.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of new things that are popping up, like micro wholesaling, and what is that? Uh, yeah. so micro wholesaling is basically. Is basically selling the lead of a wholesale oh, deal.
2: I've seen p- people have been doing that, so yeah, that, and they don't even have the contract. Signed. Exactly. <laughs> I've had people doing that to me, and they're like, "Yeah, it's it's a thousand dollars." Yeah. Month.
1: Well, for the lead, you,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, like and we don't know if the
1: lead's gonna work or not. No. Like, dude, yeah. just get it under contract yeah. and <laughs> yeah. three times that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like there's a lot of there's a lot of little niche things to make money, but micro wholesale. I didn't know that's what it was called. Yeah, yeah. that's what it's called. Micro wholesale. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I try to keep I try to keep my ear to the streets for all these little yeah, things that pop Because, you know, obviously these are ways that we can make money, but they're you know, it's just not Is it working? For for some people it's they're making a killing off of it there's yes. a lot of there's a lot of gurus trying to ah. trying to sell the systems for them and then there's yeah. a lot of i don't know anybody personally who's making money off of it but i know that it's a real big topic as of right now if, um, i had a guy doing done. that
2: and i was like dude i don't know what you're doing but this isn't how people do
1: things in all exactly mm-hmm.
2: and i guess it's just really do yeah. yeah
1: and so you know somebody sees something and they're like oh, i think i could do that you know how we how we all are you know it's like i, could, I think i could do that and is just not the reality of how things work. Is because that might work in a market that houses are only twenty, thirty thousand dollars, but right. in a market where we have million dollar houses like Austin, yeah, and short days on market and a low inventory, that just don't. Well, just I think it's just like much. what
2: you were saying earlier: is like
1: people that follow through
2: and do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Is anybody can do anything, but most people aren't really willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. And the, the, I'm sure the micro wholesaling could work. But you got to have a good reputation and mm-hmm. a good name, like right. you know, because people are going to take a chance on you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are you willing to put the time in to build that reputation versus just randomly cold calling someone and asking for $500? Yeah, and they don't even know if the other person is going to pick up the phone. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that could be a, a thing, but wholesaling for me is kind of dead on my end as far as because I now I'm, I don't want to say Fine. I'm greedy, but I know that I can make a lot more money just sure you doing it myself yeah you just change directions a little bit mm. are you
2: uh, keeping any of these properties or are you flipping i know you're yeah, mostly all, flipping
1: all all of flipping we 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 2020 is our year to start acquiring some rentals mm. uh, cuz i know that we're going to in my opinion i think we're going to start stabilizing a lot towards we're not we're, we're going to have an uptrend but it's not going to be a you know a 10% right. uptrend we're going to have a little bit more stabilization mm. as far as um, Mark market rents go, and then mm-hmm. and home sale prices. Although we'll still have a lot of houses for sale, and of course they'll still be flipping. It's just I think it'll slow down a lot, and people are going to focus more on rentals and yeah. cash flow and trying to stash the money instead of just making the quick money. That was my goal. That was my goal last year was just to get as many flips done as I can and okay. try to make as much as I can so I can gear towards twenty twenty two. Start acquiring some rentals and mm-hmm. uh, just hold on to some property so I can get built equity and then right. essentially cash flow it's eventually. Hard yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. I
2: mean, just Austin's really tough. Yeah,
1: Austin's really tough mainly because of taxes. Yeah, uh, you know, prices are gonna always be what they are, uh, but you know, our the rents can't keep up with the taxes, and then now they have that new bill that's coming up this year that uh, they're trying to cap the amount of rent you can raise it every year. So, um, you know, I think California just passed it. Yeah. yeah. Where they, they can only, I think it's like 10%. They can only do a 10% increase of rent amount. So, or something like that.
2: I, yeah, I've heard, I think it might be even
1: lower. Yeah, it's I, know it's, I know that is. You know? I know that if the, I
2: mean 10% if we were doing 10% here that'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> 1700 and add 170. Yeah, yeah, that's a good number.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I think most like a lot of the people I'm talking to that have rental properties they're like, "Man, I'm even scared to raise my rent $50. I'm afraid of scaring away my tenants." Yeah. Um and I, and I feel like that's a realistic fear because there's just so many places to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um So, you know, they can have tenants in there for a couple years and uh even um there was just earlier this year someone posted in one of the groups i'm in that they just acquired a property and like he was like their their lease said like their rent was supposed to increase every year but then the 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 tenant gave them pushback about no it was like that was with the old guy not with you Mm. and then you know it's like well i essentially own this lease and it's like well it's month to month. We're month to month. So if you want to raise a rent and get us to sign a new one, we'll just move out. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, well, the new owner's kind of stuck. He either has to make that decision of whether he wants to, he really wants that extra hundred dollars, or if he wants to lose a tenant that's been there for five or six years. Right. Uh, so that's and part t- of the-
0: yeah, tough decision. Because I mean, with turnover, he's gonna have to do a make ready, and there's a lot of costs that go into that. Mm-hmm. And um, who knows how long it'll stay vacant? And I mean, I'm sure he's still paying a mortgage on that property, so. And like you said, taxes. Yeah. Um. So tough decision on whether to keep the tenant in there or
1: not. Yeah, and I think uh, I, th- I looked at the taxes at the end of the year, and I think like the average tax on a house in East Austin is like somewhere around eight thousand dollars for you know per year. So yeah. you know that's six six hundred dollars a month just for taxes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And
2: insurance gonna be two fifty. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And then you know, of course, with it being an investment property, you can't put a homestead. Uh, exemption right, exemption. On there so you don't get any discounted taxes, just full taxes every year, all year long. <laughs> right. Yeah,
0: that's tough. So um, going back to when you were wholesaling and then decided to invest, what was the first
1: investment that you made on a flip? So the first investment I made was on a house in East Austin. It was the first one I had. and We actually just uh, sold it not too long ago. Uh, we actually just closed on it on Monday. It was like my longest investment. Of course, it was just my first one. Sure. Um, it took almost a year to get it done just because contractor issues, partner issues, things like that. Okay. Um, but, you know, we finally got the deal done and got it sold. But in that time, I had did four other flips in that meantime, Wow, too. yeah. Um, all by myself. Whenever I do things by myself, I, I'm... <laughs>
2: It's, yeah. simpler. Did the, it's simpler. It's simpler. Make money on the the year deal. Yeah, we did. Yeah. We, okay,
1: a little bit, but not as much as we projected. Sure, right. You should oh, have. That's right. A, yeah,
2: a year of holding cost. Yeah, probably twenty grand of profit. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah.
1: So it wasn't it wasn't a big deal, but it wasn't a large deal. But you know, it was less, a good less learning. It, it was like, a good yeah. learning experience. And um, what did you learn? What didn't I learn? I, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, it's really hard to like like we were talking about earlier. Rely on people and trust people to do what they say they're gonna do. Um, you know, trust but verify. You know, um, someone saying they're gonna be there that day, and if they're not there that day, then I'll say uh, Jordan. He t- you know Jordan kind of mentored me a lot on um, Jordan Olsen from Hornet Capital. He mentored me a lot and gave me a lot of advice and i'm real good at taking advice uh Uh, he said you got to learn to hire quick and fire even quicker yeah Yeah. um because you know if people aren't going to do what they say they're doing then they don't have any integrity and you can't trust that you can't trust someone to do something that they're not going to do
2: you know
1: if they say they're going to do it they don't do it then
2: that's interesting because i've always heard hire slow fire quick but when you're doing construction you, you can't take a long time exactly. right. you gotta
1: get going exactly you gotta be very very fast because and again you know on another topic of construction you know this there's, there's so much work in austin that yeah that's the
2: hardest part
1: that you know one guy will say yeah I, I'm, I'm free i'll commit to your job and then take on two other jobs the next day because they they're just, like, yeah. just, they're, they're just, it's just, it's just, yeah, because yeah. 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 you know, the majority of the guys who do work, the general contractors, they're not on your job managing your job every day. They hire the subs and the subs come out and do their work, and then, yeah, maybe the, the GC will come by once a week to come check on the property, and make sure that the guys actually did it before he pays their subs and things like that. Uh huh. You know, I'm more of like, I like dealing with the guy who's got to be there on site every day. Sure. Uh, which is a hard person to find because everybody wants to have their pots hands in every pot. Yeah. You know, it might be like, you might have a framer, but he might have, he might know someone who does plumbing, but he wants to be there with that plumber and make his money off that plumber. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a vicious cycle, the construction industry, at least in Austin. Sure. Um, there's not a lot of guys who who do what they say they're going you know, right, to do, right? know, to circle back to that subject. But, um, it's real hard to find people who are going to be there to manage your property and, um, or stay on, you know, they'll be like, yeah, I can do this. And then, you know, they'll hire one other person to do that one thing. And then they go out and just find other jobs to, sure. to come out and do and take their deposit and, you know, walk off with it. Like. You know, there's a lot of that going on where oh, boy. guys are just uh, saying they'll take on a job. They'll get their deposit for materials or in right. labor and just... And then walk just, off. Walk off. Don't ever come Man, back. yeah. And so you got to protect yourself I out here. I hate that, so yeah. You got to protect yourself with contracts. You got to protect yourself with like, hey, I'll I'll buy the materials, bring them, bring them on site. They'll be here. Sure. And so now that's what I do. I'm like, every every project that I'm going to be doing going forward is just... I'll provide all the materials you're, okay. with, you're just providing labor. If you can't support your guys for one week of labor, then I don't need to hire you because obviously your finances aren't in the right. the right place because I need... So to go back to my project, one of the reasons why it took us so long, the contractor that we had on our project that took a year mm-hmm. was going through a foreclosure through his house. So Okay. that's what kind of threw us off. the we ended up having a, bringing a whole new crew and, wow, you know, it's hard to assemble a crew. It is, um, yeah. Because, um, you know.
2: Everyone faces the same man. challenge. Man. I, I think so. so weird.
1: Yeah. I think so too. And then, you know, we got a lot of the whole, uh investor friendly thing going on and, uh, you know, contractors talking about, I see why you should have took the lowest bid. And little did they know, sometime they're the lowest bid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they were higher than you. I didn't even go <laughs> yeah. You know, and I don't, I wonder if they ever realize that whenever they're talking about that. Well, don't go with the lowest bid. And then I'm like, okay, I didn't go with the lowest bid, but that was you. So right. That's why you didn't get the job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man.
0: Um, so going moving forward, I know you said 2020, you want to start investing in um, maybe some longer-term deals, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, what's on the horizon for like Career goals with like real estate investing.
1: Man, so my I, I got some pretty ambitious goals. So eventually I want to get into multifamily, uh get into some some strip malls, some you know, some apartment buildings, then wow. eventually some retail buildings. And uh I, I have high ambitions for that's the beauty of real estate, is like there's literally no limit to what you can do. You can build a million unit complex somewhere, I'm sure out there, but sure. you know, but, go to Dubai. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh Build a build a the highest building in Austin. If you, right. want. you know, whatever it is. There's no limit in real estate to yeah where your goals are gonna be. But you know, right now, like I said, single family, then I'll eventually wanna get into multifamily, uh, then eventually wanna get into apartment buildings, apartment complexes, four plexus, eight plexus, um uh, anything I can get into, anywhere that I can go to grow, that's where I wanna go. Sure. And uh, those are my goals. So literally my my, my five year plan is to be within, you know, maybe own like a 16-unit apartment building. Nice. Um, just something to make some cash flow because apartments are still making b- money. Um, so there's a guy who uh, I ran into last year at one of the the meetings, at one of your meetings, actually, at one of the ARAP meetings. Uh-huh. Um, and I didn't know who he was, obviously, but I was talking to him about, you know, I wanted to get into an apartment complex. He's like, oh, like I own an apartment complex. And I'm like, mm. oh, okay, cool. Nice. And then, uh, little did I know which apartment complex he owned. He owned there's an apartment complex out in South Austin. Uh, I don't remember the name of it. It was just like he had just constructed it, and he's like, I got offered, like I got offered like twenty million dollars after we finished constructing it. And he's like, he's like, but what I did, he's like, he was like, everybody told me I was dumb for doing this. Uh-huh. He said I didn't take any money out of that property until it was uh, paid off. He's like, I took, he's like, it it cost me $11 million uh, to get the property and develop, they'll develop all the apartment complex. He was like, So for the first two years that I owned the property, I didn't take any money out of it. I paid the property off in two years by not taking any money out of that property. So right now he owns that property free and clear, cash flowing every single dollar that he gets from uh, that. And I was like, Wow, I was like, I I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, you're thinking about what you could make every month. You know, whenever you're on a smaller scale, you're just thinking about what you can make right now, what you can make every month. Sure. And I was like, man, so like he owns essentially a $20 million asset that's literally an asset that he's still cash flowing from mm-hmm. that he could sell any day that he wanted to.
0: Yeah. And which is
1: increasing in value. So, you know, $20 exactly. million,
0: you know, next year is going to be even more than that. So. Exactly.
1: So it really it really opened my eyes on how to evaluate things because, you know, I, like I told you, I, I focused on the short term at first, yeah. uh, flips and things like that. And then now my eyes are a little bit wider. Sure. Uh, understanding that I can make money in other ways, not just what I see in front of me. Right. And so that's the beauty of real estate to me is just there's so many angles. And, uh-huh. you know, we get a lot of flack, especially like from wholesaling. When I wholesale, I got a lot of flack about like, oh, those numbers will never work for this or that. And I'm like, well, for somebody it'll work. Yeah. You know, and uh, just always find that right person. You might not always find the right person on every deal, but right. for somebody, that deal works. Yeah, yeah. I got you, yeah. Um, here's a little bit of a deeper question. So
0: um, I know that, like, you just want to keep growing and, and getting more. Um, why is it that um, you want to uh, continue to make more money and do bigger projects? Because uh, I know that, like, you know, you can get a, a 9 to 5, like you said, and, you know, still have a you know, good life. It's all about perspective. Um, So what is it for you? What's your why, I guess?
1: My why mainly is, (sighs) so it goes back to something my grandpa told me when I was young. Uh, He said, life is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Uh Um, And what he's saying is like, there's going to be things that you run into that are out of your control, but uh, there's no shame in working a nine to five. There's no shame in going to work every day. But just because that's the norm, that doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the normal mm-hmm. uh so he's like you can literally go out and create your own schedule so real estate is the freedom really for me and my family to i know that sounds so cliche uh, but if it's true it's true yeah. yeah you know it's the freedom to be able to do what we want you know and my wife's expecting right now we just found out we're expecting and Congratulations. Uh, yeah. so we're having a little baby girl due in june
0: oh that's awesome um,
1: and so, you know now it's more about what I can leave for my for my daughter, you know, right. and I've always been that way as far as I want to create generation generational wealth versus you know just money for myself, yeah, because it's a good way to put this <clears throat> when you think about real estate, ten years ago everybody if if anybody could go back ten years and just buy all the property that they wanted. You know, 10 years ago in Austin, you could get houses for seventy, eighty thousand dollars 80000 in East Austin, you know. So when I talk to a lot of people, <clears throat> it helps me. I like real estate because I'm able to give back as well. So my ultimate goal is, like, I want to cre- eventually, like, create a fund or something like that where I can help people who are facing foreclosure, but they've been in their house for, you know, generations or, yeah. um, you know, or that I can give towards to college You know for college tuition or anything to help anybody out because you know obviously i came from the neighborhood and back back in that day it was more of a a bleak outlook it was more of a you're lucky if you get out type of thing not that you know we were worried about getting shot every day or anything like that it was just more of a it was very small-minded everybody just everybody's goal was just to go to work and that was their only priority is just go to work and come back home and have somewhere to come back to yeah um but, you know, I really saw past that was, like, okay, well, what can I do for the community and what can I do for people around me? What can I do for, you know, everybody who needs help with things, you know? Uh-huh. There's so many people I know that were that I went to school with that were very brilliant, but, you know, they couldn't afford to go to college. You know, a lot of people tell me that, you know, like, that I'm really brilliant and ambitious and, ambitious and uh, have a good drive, but I couldn't afford to go to a four-year college or right. anything like that. So, you know, if I had someone who was willing to mentor me or to... Help me with tuition, or tell me where I could go to get tuition mm-hmm. to help me, or scholarships and things like that. You know, I am maybe would have made a run, and I could have been down a different path. Is what I'm sure. eventually getting at. Yeah. Um, so that's what I want. That's my why. Is I want to create community wealth. I want, obviously, I want to create wealth for myself and my family. Sure. Yeah. But I want to be able to spread the knowledge and help people. Because real estate's a real easy industry to get into. Is just you have to learn. There's a lot of information that comes out real quickly that you have to obtain and learn how to apply because knowledge is knowledge but you know knowledge without knowing how to apply it it's not useful you know you can apply it in the wrong way Mm you get yourself in a lot of trouble yeah yeah (laughs) and uh then you know you're facing legal issues that you're like hey this guy this guru told me i can this contract was ironclad right Um, yeah then you know you're stuck in a lawsuit with somebody and you owe them money or you know whatever the case may be sure um That's why I'm real big on, like, the local people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, all that Internet information is good to a certain extent. But you need real, actual people who are really doing it in your market, getting information from them and learning how to do that and learning the ropes. Because, you know, a $40,000 house is way different than a $200,000 house. And how to get funding for a $200,000 house is a lot more difficult than, you know, Right, the 40000 Yeah, because, yeah. you know, realistically, someone can have $40,000 just sitting in their account, whereas most people don't have $200,000 sitting in their account. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, that goes back to what I was trying to say. I'm sorry. I digress again. No. Uh, you- as far as, um, you know, going back 10 years, when I talk to sellers about their houses, about whenever they're like, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to buy your house. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go buy a new car. I'm going to go buy, you know whatever they're going to do with their money. I always give every seller the same advice. Don't mm-hmm. go spend all your money yeah. on... T- Some uh, fancy on, radio. Yeah, <laughs> on something that you can't get money back out of. Yeah. I was like, I want you to think about this. I was like, it literally took you 30 years to acquire this wealth or I always tell them one or two ways. Sometimes it gets kind of morbid. I'm like, it literally took somebody dying for you to get this amount of money because you know, whenever we deal with a lot of people who do probates or like their airships or Mm -hmm. like they've inherited the house and they want to sell it now yeah um i'm like look this is your mom and dad's house it took them 60 years for them to acquire this and now you're going to sell it and then you're going to go out and buy another house and then you're going to go buy cars or tvs whatever you want to go buy right i was like but those are all things you can't get money out of when you need them yeah that's cool man yeah i like that and so like i just try to drop a little knowledge on them so they can understand the gravity of the situation. I always tell them, I was like, it doesn't matter what happens in the market. Like we can have a, we can have a crash tomorrow, but, and you know, your house can be worth nothing, but a hundred thousand dollars in the bank is still a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, no matter what happens. Like your house can be worth zero dollars, mm-hmm. but if you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, you still have a hundred thousand dollars to go do whatever you need to go do with mm-hmm. Yeah. The value of the dollar might go down, but a hundred thousand dollars will still be a lot of money.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> at
1: least it, it could at least dig you out of a hole, you know, in the grand scheme of thing $100,000 isn't anything but
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know it's all relative sure. as they say but yeah you know I try to encourage them not to go spend all their money on one thing I try to encourage them to invest if they want to reinvest with me then I'm always open for that but it's sure. like just go buy you something that's real just be smart just be smart about it don't go don't go buy your kids uh <laughs> you know all new cars and right uh, yeah things like that so I'll, I'll share a story with you i won't i won't say any names on this story but uh, uh a house that we bought you know it was uh the grandmother owned the house the grandson lived in the house um it was originally the mom's house it was originally the grandma's daughter's house mm-hmm. the daughter passed away so then she left it to her grandson um You know, the grandma was like, it was still in the grandma's name. She essentially just said, hey, all you got to do is pay the tax on this house. You can have this house. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not only did he not pay the taxes, they were about to go to foreclosure for the taxes. Oh, boy. But later on, I found out that uh, the grandson blew through almost a million dollars worth of life insurance and um, retirement that the mom had from her job. She was at her job for like 30 years or something like that. She had her retirement from TMRS. Um, so almost a million dollars that he blew Jeez. through. So he didn't bother paying the taxes and then he blew through that amount of money. Yeah. He still wanted That's more. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> um, so again, you know, it takes literally people dying or yeah. years to get. One thing to point out on that, like I think,
2: you know, my my own experience in losing large amounts of money on certain things is like that sounds so crazy to some people, but it's actually really easy yeah. to lose a million. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. money can go away really, really quick. quick. Yeah. It's way harder to make it back. Exactly. I mean, you can
1: lose money so easily. Exactly, yeah. and that's the that's the thing I try to in, imprint them with is that it can go.
2: Yeah, it took that this 30 years to get it. Uh, you can lose it that fast. Cause nice. I
1: think he like he I think he went through it in a matter of like 12 months. So it wasn't even a quick it wasn't even a, like a long period of time. That's it right. was like he bought, so he bought like seven motorcycles he had. Like, what do you even need seven, seven motorcycles for? You know some people Got were just million like bucks, Oh man. my gosh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a deeper issue of like our society in America of like yeah. consumerism. Um, and always wanting more and you know mm-hmm. stuff like that um which know, is sad
1: I know I'm real bad about that as well but uh like so my thing is, is guns though like I like a lot of guns but uh hey, guns old,
2: guns can't keep their value
1: yeah, yeah but I but I'm real practical about it like uh you know I'm like okay if I'm going to buy this why do I need it and then I have to I have to justify it to myself <laughs> yeah talk yourself that, into it you know and I'm real I'm real practical about everything and and uh even just I was talking to my wife about buying a TV the other day and I was like but do I need a TV though? I was like, we have a TV, so it's just a bigger TV. I was like, do I really need that? And we decided, like, I was like, I want it. I was like, I want it, but do I need right. it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, you know, really, really justify it to ourselves. I was like, yes. oh. I was like, well, when we get into our new house, maybe we'll sure uh, we'll, readdress we'll, it. Then we'll readdress it then. But yeah. I have other things I have to prioritize first. What's the now. value that it's going to bring? You. Exactly. Right. That's a good question. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I try to do with myself. So even now, so um, I don't know. You haven't seen mm-hmm. my truck. I don't think you've seen my truck, but. You know, I had a car, and then I got in a car accident, and then oh boy. I was like, man, I want to go buy a fancy car. I was like, I have money. I can go buy a fancy car, and uh, my wife's like, Sh- I like Audis, and, you know, she's like, I like the European cars and things like that, uh, and I was like, yeah, I like the Europeans too. I was like, they look really nice. They're really clean. I was like, but do we really need one? Right. <laughs> and, then, and then so then I have this little truck that I have that has a little rack, and I just deliver materials to all my job sites now. Nice. I, ha- yeah. I have another truck. I have another little truck, but it's not running. I haven't had the time to work on it yet, but... You know i was like i really want this other car but then i was like it doesn't make sense for me to spend the money on right nice on car
2: two more investment properties that's yeah and that's how it, eight more properties that's Cars honestly going down that's
1: honestly how i value that's how honestly how i came to the conclusion i'm like no i'm not gonna get a car right now because i can save this credit yeah. you know to to get a bigger line of credit So I can use tools. My man,
2: don't buy the damn car. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Long story short, don't buy the car. (laughs) I just worked on my, I I, I worked on my credit for a really long time too. Um, You know, I had stupid, like stupid little things like my student loans and uh, like a Wells Fargo credit card from like when I was eighteen. Yeah, it was like a three hundred dollar credit card that I didn't pay. Yeah, you know, it still uh, still affected me, and then that's tough. uh, You know, I worked on my credit for a really long time, and I'm still working on it. Uh, you know, even with the the amount of properties that we're doing and stuff like that, is just uh, now what gets me now is just my utilization because I use use my credit cards to buy materials or right yeah uh, things like that. So now what I'm trying to gear towards, hopefully this year, is that I'm just going to save my credit and get a like I said a larger line of credit, but on my business instead of.
2: Do you have a line of credit bro? I do have a line of credit, what but pay? it's under
1: my personal... Uh, I have it through Navy Federal Credit okay. Union. So, cool. Um,
2: I've got a good connection with Guarantee if you want to uh, talk to them. Yeah, right? I'd be more than willing yeah, to talk to they them. They gave me a line of credit. Yeah,
1: cause that, but yeah, I want to gear it towards my business part now so I can start building mm-hmm. business credit and um, getting it out there so I can mm-hmm. eventually get to those million-dollar line of credits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Eventually, I want to be managing several dozen properties at a time. Right, and, and, yeah. And, you know, Obviously, mm-hmm. that's ultimately the goal is to flip hundreds and hundreds of houses and yeah. stuff like that but like, yeah. you know got to got to take baby steps sure. start to yeah. start to walk yeah. put in the work You're so that's energy. that's what I'm, I'm real I'm real methodic about how I'm going about it and nice that's awesome i've, I've had like, i think i told you earlier this year I was like i or earlier last year i like i had so many opportunities i could have taken that i passed up on because i didn't want to overextend myself and um yeah I'm gonna because you know like like I was telling them then you know it's so hard to find someone I can trust to do what they're going to do. Yeah.
0: Um, it's
1: all about building relationships. And yeah, so like I was tell even I was telling I was like I don't know I might just go out and just start my own contracting company and right. and just do that because not a bad idea. I haven't found anybody reliable to <laughs> yeah. to yeah. get it done cuz like it's real easy to get the subs together it's not hard to to find the people to do the work it's just the GC- I think GCs are really the the failure point is that they're they're just taking on more than they can handle and and you know, I don't think it's intentional. I think they're just they just see the opportunity. They have to take it as it comes. Yeah. And they don't know how to say no. Sure. Um, which you know, that's fine. It's just you got to learn true. how yeah. to. You know, learning process. And yeah. So like I said, I could have I could have easily done maybe ten houses this year and and made made some, made some good money. But yeah, I knew that I have to be in control. You know. Yeah. And, and I don't mean that in the way of like. I'm a control freak. I just mean like, I don't want things getting away from me. And, um, cause that's how you get taken advantage of, get taken advantage of. And then, mm. <clears throat> you know, then it costs you money every month. You know? Sure. So if I had 10 properties, I had to pay a mortgage on every month. Mm-hmm. You know, that could easily be a, a terrible, a terrible expense. Yeah. Depending on if one property went bad. For sure. Um, because, you know, all it takes is one bad thing to happen in one property that can derail yep. everything. And that's why some people don't even make it past their first houses. Like, they, they have such a horrible experience They get burned. Their first, yeah. their first property or their GC. They're like, oh, well, yeah. it's going to cost. Because, you know, whenever you're starting off in the industry, you don't know a lot. You're not a contractor, so you don't know right. what things cost. You just expect people to be honest and upfront with you and have integrity about what's going on. Um mm-hmm. uh, you know, about okay, yeah, this, this, I gotta rebuild this door. Yeah, it's gonna cost five thousand dollars to put in a door. I'm like, really, it's gonna cost five thousand dollars to put in a door. Yeah, you're really thinking to yourself, it doesn't look that hard, right. you know, you're thinking to yourself, it doesn't look yeah. that hard, but I'm not even correct, so maybe, right. so maybe yeah. it does cost that much, you know. Yeah, and so those are the arguments I think that new investors have with themselves is like because you know on the on the group you might see them post all the time like asking do y'all think this is a reasonable price for them to do this and uh-huh. he wants to pour me a, a sidewalk and he wants to charge me $10,000 like well how long is the sidewalk <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you know <laughs> there's no there's no fair market there's no fair market value for work is <laughs> that's the the problem because everybody is different we have guys on both ends of the spectrum you have guys who could charge $300 a square foot for a house and you have guys who will charge you know, Three. yeah, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's so there's a lot of people in our real estate group that are really successful, but they're really, really, really expensive, uh-huh. and they do they do great work, but these are, they use the same subs that we would use. They just manage them better, right? Yeah, so, <clears throat> crazy. Yeah. You know, you know it's it's one of those things that because I've to, I've had several people that I've known that. Um, when I say several, I just mean three, so okay. <laughs> to clarify that. Yeah, that's several. Uh, So three people that I've known that <clears throat> that are high dollar, that they've used guys that I've used on my flips, but, you know, their rates are $400 a square foot or mm-hmm. whatever they charge uh, type of thing. And I'm like, well, really, I know how much this guy charged me to do my paint and drywall. Mm-hmm. Why is it
0: so And liquid? that just comes with experience. So, like, mm-hmm. for, like, you know, people that are starting off, like, yeah, you might get burned on the first one or two, but it's a learning process, and don't quit after that first one. Be
1: patient. And, exactly. Uh, learn and, through And that. that's that's the name of the game with real estate is patience. Yeah. It's patience and Long-term persistence. Long-term thinking. Yeah. yeah. Patience and persistence. That's where you'll get your best values out of because... If you don't have patience, you're just gonna mm-hmm. give up on every single thing every time you run into a problem. Right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, you gotta have a you have the, gotta have the come into real estate with the right mindset. Uh, most people come in with just the mindset of that it can make me a lot of money, but they don't understand the nuances that come with. You know, no one no one teaches you how to negotiate. No one teaches you how to get a property on un- get your first p- property under contract. They don't teach you how to call a title company, open up title. They don't tell you how to read a title policy. They don't. You know, there's all those things that happen in the course of a transaction. Yeah. There's a million little things that happen in the course of a transaction but everybody only sees buying it and so, yeah and selling it. Right. Know? But yeah. there's a lot of there's in a between. lot of things. Yeah. So real estate I love is that it's all about networking too. You got to have the right people in your corner. Yeah. And so I know a lot of good sub subcontractors. I know roofers. I know HVAC guys. Like I call them every time I have a problem and they come out and I pay them. I pay them, you know, they might be more expensive but, right. you know, I know that I can rely on their word and they send me, they send me good paperwork. Yeah. You know, they, they document their findings really well and they give me a, a report with pictures and they explain what I'm looking at and stuff like that. So as I'm, I'm never in the dark about, what's going on. So like for example my HVAC guy came out and looked at a house that we were we were gonna get ready to sell and he was like man he was like uh you know this duck's cut this duck's cut you're missing this wire this you should have a drain here mm-hmm. uh things like that and then um uh, on the inspection report when it came back they're like it's missing this drain and then he countered the inspector and said that drain is obsolete that's no longer code and he said this is the new code this is why we did it this way and so he sent him a picture he sent them the new report like you got to have those people who are on their game and right. reliable and <clears throat> willing to stand behind their work and not just disappear whenever it's time to yeah uh get things when things get questionable you know for sure <laughs> yeah that's awesome um well stefan uh we really appreciate you coming on our podcast
0: and, and uh, telling me. us your story. And Thanks, man. Um, there's a lot of good nuggets in there for the listeners. That um, if you're thinking about getting started in wholesaling, or investing, or flipping, uh, they can learn a lot from this episode. Um, kind of going off of what you're talking about credit earlier, we have a sponsor for this podcast. That's um, Texas Best Credit Repair. Um, so I know you're talking about like building your credit. So for our listeners, if you guys uh, need any help with your credit, if you want to go from uh, you know bad to good or good to great, go to TexasBestCreditRepair.com. Um, Holler at a boy. Sammy, he's the man who'll take care of you. Um, again, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks. Appreciate it. Him. All right, signing off.